0: Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message. But before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message.
1: off a brand new collection of messages today, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, So your New Testament uh, of the Bible, this is the second portion of Scripture. This is written uh, basically uh, after the life of Jesus, so it's all about Jesus. Uh, Your New Testament begins with four books. They are called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those four books are biographies of Jesus' life. Three of them just tell the story of Jesus' life, and one of them Uh, It's written to to convince you about Jesus. And so those Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not about Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They're all about Jesus. But one of those guys, his name is Luke, and he was a physician. He was also a historian. He was somebody that that, that was, was educated. And so he wrote with an agenda, and his book actually continues after Luke, and it's called the book of Acts. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, is the book of Acts. So uh, Luke, he, 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 in the early church when they would read the book of Acts, they, or they would read Luke all the way into Acts. It wasn't really a division. It was just him telling the whole story. And this is, you'll see that his book is written to somebody named Theophilus. It's called Acts of the Apostles, so it shares the story of what the, what the original followers of Jesus lived like and what they did, which, which is really important because it tells us what the early church looked like. And so he's writing to a guy named Theophilus who is a government ruler. He's a high dignitary. Theophilus means lover of God or friend of God. So he's writing to somebody that is friendly towards the things of God in a pagan empire. He's trying to convince him about the good things that the, this new church is doing. And so when he writes the book of Acts, he writes really, um, really conservatively. He writes, uh, he writes about how well organized the church was, how, how calm and how, how uh, concerned they are about what people around them think. He, he writes all the nice, really calm things about the church. All of that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> In his letter to a man named Theophilus that is a government ruler... Luke writes about people speaking in tongues. He writes about people falling out of windows because the preaching is so boring that they die. And then they're raised from the dead. He, he tells stories about people, um, people, shadows crossing people and them being healed by the shadow of an apostle. He He tells a story about a man and a woman during a big offering the church was doing that told everybody that they sold property and gave the money to the church, but they only gave a portion of the money to the church, and the Holy Spirit strikes them dead for lying. Like, that's a strong giving message, right? That's going to be our Legacy Sunday giving up. Just a a preview of Legacy Sunday. It's going to be about Ananias and Sapphira. That's not the stuff you tell a government dignitary when you're trying to convince him of how legitimate your religion is. But what the book of Acts does for us is this. It tells us the direction or the course of the church. And this is important because the way something begins tells us the way something will end. This is an important lesson I learned from a a, a high school teacher. Well, when I was in high school, uh, I learned from a teacher He was a professor at Simon Fraser University, and he ran a paintball course where I lived during the summers. And so I would go play paintball with him, and he said, Roger, he said, if you want to do really good in school, you need to know this. The most important assignment you do all year long is the very first assignment in every class. He said, do the first assignment as good as you can. Put all your effort into that first assignment and bring it to the teacher at least a day or two before it's due. He said, when you do that, he said, us teachers, we categorize people. <laughs> he said, we see you as a good student. He said, we, even, even if it was like a, a, a C paper, he said, he said, if you write a B, like if you write a C or a B, he said, we will consider you to be a B student all year. And this student was a B student because I learned... to get my assignments in early. And this is the same thing with everything in life. The way it begins tells us where it's going. And so when we wonder what the church should look like, should the church be formal? Should the church be orthodox? Should the church be this or that? Like, what model of church should we use? I think the real truth is this, is we should look to the early church to see what it looked like to know how we should continue. So people will tell you that the, the church in America is dying, it's on the decline, it's, it's becoming stagnant, and that is true. That is true, that in America, the church is on a decline. But let me tell you, the church in stagnant churches is on the decline. But globally, the church is not on the decline. Globally, the church is exploding. Like, we are in the greatest revival of all of human history right now. Like, underground churches in China are, are are multiplying, not like just one or two at a time, exponentially multiplying. The churches in Cuba are, like, unstoppable. The South American church is just exploding. The churches in, in, in Russia are exploding. Why? Why? Because they're not doing what we do in America. What we do in America is we try to find a church model that works, yeah. and we say, "Well, what kind of church are you? Are you like going, going to be like a Saddleback Church, a, a church of the Highlands type church? You're going to be a Hillsong type church?" And when they're in China, they're not wondering what model church they are. The only model they have for the church is the Book of Acts, yeah, wow. and because of that, the church is exploding exponentially around the world this is the pattern of what the church originally looked like and it may shock you as to what the church looked like at the beginning let me say it like this i know that in a room this size there are there are people who've been living for god for 30 years and and there are some of you that this is maybe the first time you've ever been in a church and you don't even know if you believe in jesus but i'll say this that every one of us, whether we've been living for God for a long time or whether we're just checking to see if this is for us, we don't want the fake thing. None of us want the plastic inflate Like, we don't want that. What we want is the real authentic thing. I would say this. If you're looking for a church right now, what you're really looking for is an actual encounter with a God. Not some sort of person to convince you there's a God, but an actual experience with God. This is what we'll discover in the book. Of Acts, it says this. <clears throat> so Luke wrote Acts, and, and at the end of Luke, he continues to Acts. So I'm going to start at the end of Luke with Luke's account of what we call the Great Commission. This is Jesus's mandate to the church. Everybody know, like we have a mandate. Yeah. If you say if you say you're a follower of Jesus, you have a mission, and here's where Luke shares that mission. He says this. In verse 46 of chapter 24, he says, And he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. He said Jesus Jesus would, would die, he would suffer and die, he would be buried, and he would rise again with power on the third day. This was prophesied in Scripture. Like, this is the gospel, that Jesus, he died for you, he was buried for you, and he rose again with all power in his hands so that you can live an overcoming life, so that you can share in the goodness of God. And this is good news, and it says this, and it was also written that this message, what message? that Jesus suffered, died, buried, and rose again, that message would be proclaimed with authority in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, that there is forgiveness of sin to all who repent, and you are witnesses of these things. I'm just telling you, this gets me excited, that there is forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents to God. Like, like, I don't care how strung out on drugs you've been. If you would just repent to him, there's forgiveness for you. Like, you, you, your life may be a wreck, but if you would just search for him, there's forgiveness for you. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, there's forgiveness for you. It doesn't matter how straight and narrow your life's been, there's forgiveness for you. That's the good news that is supposed to be proclaimed throughout the world. That Jesus died For you. That he was buried for you. And when he rose again, he's giving you power to live an overcoming life. So you can be reconciled or made right with God. If if you walked in this room, like people say this to me all the time. Preacher, I don't know if I should go in the church because lightning might strike. There is forgiveness of sin to anyone. I don't care who you are or what you've done or where you've been or who knows or who doesn't. There's forgiveness of sin for you. That's good news. And he says, and you're you're supposed to be witnesses of this. We are called to be witnesses. We are called to be witnesses. Witness is somebody who... Who bears a faithful testimony or, or an accurate story of what God has done in their life? I remember I had a, uh, when I did youth ministry, I, I was doing a Bible study in someone's house. My wife was there, and one of the teenagers that was in our youth group was in the house with us, and this is when cell phones first came out. Anybody remember that? I'm dating myself for some of you, but like this is when we went from pagers to cell phones. And it was like, it was, if you wanted to text somebody, do you remember what it used to be like? There was no, like, Dick Tracy just talked to a box. And there certainly wasn't a whole keyboard. On. It was like, you, there was nine buttons. And you just, <laughs> you have to hit all the buttons over and over and over. Like it, was, it was so long. To, and this teenage girl, she's sitting on the couch while we're having this Bible study. And I see her back there. and She's, <laughs> she's texting, right? She's, she's doing her thing. And I I know that her best friend has also just got a cell phone, and she's probably <laughs> doing it back. And right about that, time, somebody asked me and said, every time you do a girl voice, it's like. <laughs> I don't know, sorry. So, thank you, thank you for that. I appreciate and so as she's texting, I hear outside the house. And when that happens, this girl's face goes, oh. And I said, were you just texting so-and-so? Yes. Is that who's outside the house? Yes. <laughs> so we go outside the house, and sure enough, this girl has, has run a stop sign. She smashed a minivan with a family in it. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was hurt. But sent the minivan through someone's fence and into a backyard. <laughs> so I go out there and kind of calm her down, comfort, you know, all that kind of stuff. Play the pastor thing. And then, uh, then her brother shows up to help her with, when the police arrive. And I go back in the house and we continue on with our Bible study. And then she comes in the house. and I was like, so <laughs> what kind of ticket did you get? She said, I didn't get a ticket. I said, what do, you, what do you mean you didn't get a ticket? She said, well, my brother told me to tell them that the other lady ran the stoplight. That's not a faithful witness, right? Oh, right. right? We're, called, we're called to share a faithful witness, like, actually what God has done in our life. That That's what we do. We share what Jesus has done in our lives. So, like telling about how he had forgiveness for us when we were running with the bad crowd and we had no business in the in the sight of God and he forgave us, that's what we share. When I was unlovable and he loved me, that's what I share. When I was untrustworthy with anything and he trusted me with everything, that's what I share. When he healed my mind, that's what I share. When he saved my marriage, that's what I share. When I outwardly had it all together but inwardly I was a mess, that's what I I share when I was hooked on pills and no one knew that's what I share when I hated who I was, but he loved who I was. That's what I share. We are to be witnesses of the goodness of God. People say, preacher, what's, what's my purpose in life? What is my purpose? Like, yes, we all have individual purposes, but we have one main mission. I don't care who you are or how long you've been saved. If you are a follower of Jesus, you already have a mission in life. You have one purpose in life, and that is to share the forgiveness of Jesus that comes to anyone who repents. That's the mission. And that, that may look like different things. That, that may look like, you know, you teach in a Sunday school, but what you're doing is you're sharing the forgiveness of sins. It may look like you, uh, you know, working in a parking lot to help people find a parking stall, but what you're really doing is you're trying to help them find the forgiveness of sins. It may look like you're leveraging your, your degree to be able to help counsel somebody through a situation. It may look like leveraging your finances to help someone in need, but all of it is about one mission that we all share to share the forgiveness of Jesus with people around us. You have, you have a mission. So what's my purpose in life? Start there. Start there. Just start telling people about what he's done in your life. That's where we start. In our current culture, there's a lot of people that are uh, called influencers. Have you heard of that phrase? I think, I, think, I think it's great. I think it's great. I, 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 think I don't have the personality for it, but I think it's really cool. I wish I was one. I wish I was so one so much that, I, in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to do an influencer thing right now. Because check it out. At Walmart today, I discovered that they have dark chocolate Hershey syrup. Come on, somebody. Isn't it weird that the older you get, the worse your palate becomes? Like, you want the bitter stuff now? It's, it's like so... Du- but I'm going to try this, this dark chocolate Hershey syrup, so <clears throat> let's, let's do this. You guys ready? All right, I'm going to give you a faithful witness of what this is. Check this out. we got some uh, whole milk, because nothing else will do. Uh, that's good. All right, I'm ready. This is going to be so good. <laughs> Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Probably probably about there. A little more. <laughs> That's gonna be good. All right, you ready for my review? <laughs> Tastes like milk. It's just is trash. It tastes like milk. <laughs> there, there's nothing to it. It's Okay, I've just, I've just decided that that is not that great. Here's the deal, church. We're all called to be witnesses. And for some people, there's, real, there's really two ways we do that. One is we share what Jesus has done in our life and the gospel of Jesus to people. Some people might say, but, but preacher, I don't know how to share that. I don't know how to do that. That's fine. There's another way we witness. Philip does this in the Bible. He says, come and see. Early in Philip's life, when he didn't know what to say, he said, come and see. And when people came to see, they encountered Jesus. So we witness to people in two ways. One, by sharing the good news of Jesus with people one-on-one. I love it. seeing, Seeing you guys sitting in coffee shops talking to people about Jesus, that's what we do. The other thing we do is we invite them into places of worship where they can experience Jesus. Yes. That's what we do. Th- that's why this church is growing. It's not because uh, we've got some excellent you know, thing going on. It's not because of some sort of strategy. It's certainly not because of marketing or any social media or any of that. It's because people are having a tangible encounter with God. They're having real transformation in their life, and they can't help but share it with their friends. And so Jesus says, you're going to be witnesses. And then he says this. Like, that, that's the great commission. That's the mission of our lives, to share the good news of Jesus. And then he says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. You see that, right? Like Jesus just gave the greatest command the church has ever had. And then says, Stop, actually don't do it yet. He says, go tell everybody about me. Wait, don't actually do it. Just wait for a while because there's something you need to be able to do it. Just go for it, but don't leave Jerusalem because you don't have the things you need until I give them to you. That's what he's saying. He says, great commission, stop. This word here, stay, it means to to actively stay in a fixed position. It's a continual verb. We don't have these in English. What it means, it's not a verb like a one-time thing you do. It's a continual, ongoing verb. It's to stay actively remaining or waiting in a fixed position. The the only thing I can really liken this to in English is is a football player waiting. Waiting. Actively ready for something, but waiting, steady, waiting for something to happen. Waiting for somebody to move. Like, that's what Jesus is telling them to do. He's saying, before you go share the greatest news that will get rid of people's shame, guilt, and struggles, before you do that, wait. For what? The one thing you need to accomplish this. As the American church, we really struggle with that idea of wait, don't we? We want everything right now. I mean, some of you, like if I get thirty, if I go thirty minutes in this message, you're out the door. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that's cool. Like, go ahead and get the sherry's before everybody else. I get it. But I'm saying, if you want certain things from God, you're going to have to wait. These people didn't wait two days. They waited ten days. They waited. In one room for ten days, like I hope they had an outhouse like waiting <laughs> for something from God and, and and here in the book of Acts when Acts begins, remember it was written by Luke so he picks up right there here's what he says in verse four once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. There, there are seven words that are used throughout the book of Acts to describe this experience that Jesus is talking about here. Seven, seven different words are used. One would be that they are baptized in the Spirit, that they're filled with the Spirit that the Spirit fell upon them, and not like fell on them like landed on them, but fell upon them like somebody would embrace somebody, like falling on someone you're embracing, like like a long-lost loved one that just got out of jail, and you're loving them. like That's what he's talking about. Or somebody that just got off an airplane or back from war, like you fall on them and embrace them. It says the spirit came on them. It says the spirit rested upon them. It says the spirit uh, it says they received the Holy Spirit and it says the spirit was poured out on them. Well, which one is it, preacher? It's all of them. It's one experience but many ways to describe the one experience. Have you ever had coffee? You go drink coffee with somebody and they're like a, a coffee connoisseur and they're like they swirl it. Ooh, that's a bold cup of joe. Like it's got a those those nutty flavors in the back. It's just mm, so good. It's smooth. It's it's fruity. I think this is from Kenya. Like it's robust. Or, Or my my favorite one, right? It's it's earthy. That means it tastes like dirt. So gross. We are called to be spirit filled. Spirit baptized, spirit fell on, spirit poured out. Whatever words you want to use, that's what we're called to be. He goes on just a few verses later and he says this in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my Witnesses. Again, he ties it, Holy Spirit and witnesses. He, he's making witness come after Holy Spirit. He says, You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The idea of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, what he's saying, it's similar to this. You're going to start locally. So it's going to be Nampa and Caldwell. You're going to tell people about Jesus. And then it's going to be, you know, Treasure Valley. You're going to tell people about Jesus. And then it's going to be the Northwest. You tell people about Jesus. So, preacher, I know where you're going with this. This This is that whole, like, different classes of Christian things. The Holy Spirit is not about different classes of believers. There are really only two classes of people, those that are not saved and are lost and those that are being saved. Those are the only two classes. All of us fall into one of those two categories. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not about status. It's about empowerment and function. The the Holy Spirit falls on us and it's a catalyst for a life of power and witness of what Jesus has done in our lives. So it's not about a status; it's about function. Everybody has a secret sauce. I mean, some of you come here to church and you're like, "Man, I just can't." Every time I cry and I weep and I just like so, like I don't. I'm I'm a I'm like tough, but I get I feel it when I'm here. You know what you're feeling? It's not the good preaching. I promise you that. It's the Spirit of God. Like, everybody has a secret sauce. What is KFC's secret sauce? Eleven herbs and spices. (laughs) Right? What is the Big Mac secret sauce? It's a secret. Chick-fil-A. Pickle juice. They soak the chicken in pickle juice. T-Pain, (laughs) auto-tune. Followers of Jesus, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the secret sauce. So we we are called to be witnesses, and we are called to be filled with the Spirit. It says this just in the beginning of the next chapter, in Acts chapter 2. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers, everybody say all. all. All the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and it set on each of them, and everyone, say everyone, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Preacher, are you saying that I need to speak in tongues? No, I'm not saying you need to speak in tongues. I'm saying all of them spoke in tongues. I'm saying all of the new church, that's what they did. They all spoke in tongues. And pro- are you saying that I have to speak in tongues to experience this? Actually, there's, there's two things in Scripture we can see. Let's, let's talk. There, there's prophecy, and they're speaking in tongues. Both of them happen when people receive the Spirit. And, and when I talk about tongues, that, yeah, you felt it, right? The room went, eh. Because you guys were like, oh, I know where this is. This is about to get weird. There's going to be people like howling like dogs or something. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. It's so strange to me that we're good when we talk about prophecy. We're good when we talk about laying hands on the sick and then recovering. We're good with the idea of miracles or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, like speaking into something. We love that. But the moment I start talking about speaking in tongues, everybody's like, "Ah." (laughs) It was normal in the early church. And it wasn't weird. Weird people were weird before they had the Holy Spirit baptism. Okay, time, right. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, okay, I get where this church is going. We're about to like pass out the snakes and start banging tambourines and running with flags. No! <laughs> That's hillbilly stuff. No! But preacher, I was taught, I was taught in my church growing up that, um, that that stuff was for the first church, but not for the church today. That, that's, a, that's a theology called cessationism, and it means that the things of the spirit stopped once the, the apostles moved on. And can I just tell you, cessationism is bad theology. It's based on a single scripture, and it's, it's based on a misreading of a single scripture. It is bad theology. We can go into that later. But but it just just completely is not. The the book of Acts is is one of the the only books in the New Testament that doesn't end with an amen, like a closure. Because the book is supposed to keep going in your lives and my lives. In, In fact... The scripture tells us that Paul, this is about 24 years later, Paul is is traveling. It says this in in Acts 19. While while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, which is in modern day Turkey. So he he goes to Turkey where he found several believers. So he finds believers. These are believers. And he asks them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Preacher, I thought I did. He asked them the question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Paul discerned something in them. He discerned, these are, these are believers. These are faithful believers but there's something dead inside of them. There's something missing. He says, he goes on and he says this. He says, then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. And Jesus says, John, uh, Paul says, sorry, not Jesus, Paul says, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people, to believe in the one who would come later. He's saying, you repented, that's good, that's faith, that's good. He said, meaning Jesus, and as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And do we have the next verse? Nope. It says this, the next verse says that they were all filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And then it, it gives the number of them, it's just a handful of people. This is normal in the early church. And I think it should be normal in the modern church. Because yes. as for me, I'm not interested in dead religion. I'm not looking for just another philosophy to build my life on. I'm not looking for a moral code. I'm not looking for a way to vote. I'm looking for an encounter with God. Yes. So many of us are like these believers, where we, we, our faith is faithful but we haven't experienced the fullness of what's available to us because some of us are uninformed or misinformed, we're skeptical, we're apprehensive, or we're indifferent. Let me read this, this quote. This is, so here's the deal. When we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people often say this. They say, oh, that's a Pentecostal thing, or that's a charismatic thing. Oh, that's for those Pentecostal churches. That's for those charismatic churches. Can I just say this? That is tribal and it's wrong. This this is an expression of the power of God that is, is happening on churches across the globe regardless of boundary lines of any of that stuff. In fact, this is the Archbishop of Canterbury. I'm talking about an Episcopal priest who has a white little collar and a black robe. Canterbury talks fancy. And this is what he says. He says, in my own prayer life and as part of my daily discipline, I pray in tongues every day, not as an occasional thing, but as part of daily prayer. This isn't for for weird off-center churches. This is normal throughout church history. It's normal. And if you want to access the power of God in your life, it's for you. goes on, maybe the band get, start coming and make it sound pretty behind me so it sounds heavier. <laughs> um, it sounds good, huh? Yeah. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this. Peter has just given them the good news of Jesus and they say, well, what do we do? How do we respond to this? And he says this. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Church, we are called to be witnesses. We are called to be Spirit-filled. Can I say it like this? We are called to be Spirit-filled witnesses. Like this Christian life, it's not difficult without the Spirit. It's pretty close to impossible without the Spirit. We're called to be spirit-filled witnesses. Preachers, is it for me? Well, this next verse says this. This promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. It's for you. He's saying it's for those people there. It's for their kids. It's for those people that are far away. It's for anyone, everyone, all who have been called by God. So if there's ever a moment when God reached out and touched you and saved you, it's for you. This encounter with the Holy Spirit is for you. I would say there's, there's four reasons why, why people don't receive it. The first is this is we don't like to wait. Yeah. Preacher, I prayed and nothing happened. It's not what he told them. I thought it was a gift. I thought he just gives you. He said, wait. I'm telling you, I know people that have sought after this sort of an encounter with God. Instantly. We were praying about it, having a Bible study in the crash course room over here. Somebody went off and in a bathroom stall received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know other people for three years, just God, I'm open to it. God, whatever you want, God, whatever you want, God, whatever you want but I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to walk away. I'm just going to keep waiting, keep waiting. And one day, I think we don't wait. The next reason why I think we often don't receive the Spirit is lack of true repentance. Peter said, repent and be baptized. And I don't mean that in a legalistic way. Like, oh, you got to measure up. We're going to have the church elders like, stand next to you and make sure everything's perfect in your life. That's not what I'm talking about. Not legalism. I'm just saying, like, it, are there areas of your life that you're still hanging on to? Are there things that God has addressed in your life that you, you haven't surrendered to Him yet? Because that's part of it. Mental strongholds. I talked about this before. But, but we're, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities and spiritual strongholds that, that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. You're not wrestling against a demon that's trying to. That's not what you're wrestling against. spiritual strongholds happen in this place. Not human wisdom that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So for some, you may say like, preacher, I just, I've got this mental barrier because I grew up in a church that this wasn't a thing and now I'm open to it and I prayed for it but it hasn't happened so maybe it's not for me. I'm telling you, There's an enemy at work convincing you it's not for you. Because when we read the New Testament church, it says everyone. It's available to everyone. The next is this, passivity. Preacher, I'm just available. Whatever God wants, he can have it. When he's ready to do it, you can do it. That's not the language that's used in Scripture. Like, oh, whatever God wanted to do, they were just open to it. That's not what it was. Ask, seek, knock. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, the Bible says. And the violent take by force in the kingdom of God and spiritual things, we don't just sit back passively. We go after it. Go after it. So, I'm wrapping it up. Going back to the very first verse I read. It says this. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. It says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Church, there is an outpouring of the Spirit of God throughout the world right now. These churches in China that are just exploding, churches in Cuba that are, that are multiplying by the thousands that you actually support, the, the, these churches don't have great strategy. They meet in garages, and any space they can find, what they have is an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Because they're filled. You want to know why the American church is dead? Because the American church is not filled with the Spirit. Is this filled with chocolate? Is there chocolate in it? There's chocolate in it. It's just not filled with it. I'm not saying that you don't have the Spirit of God. But there's a difference between being filled and having the spirit in your life. Watch this, watch this. Just a few minutes ago, I I put this chocolate in here, but watch, it's not filling the cup. But if I begin to stir it a little bit, and I begin to make room for the spirit a little bit in my life and I begin to pursue and press into what God is doing in my life. It doesn't take long, but just a little bit of stirring, just a little bit of activation, and soon enough, guess what? Is this cup filled with chocolate? Yes, thank you very much. Oh, that's so good. And I'm not going to need insulin afterwards. That's so good. The problem in the church is this. We got got spirit in the bottom of the cup. We gotta stir that thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you. It's activating what God is already doing in your life. It's for you. It's for everyone in this room. I would say this as I wrap up. If this is your next step, to receive the Spirit in your life, here are a couple simple next steps for you. Number one, begin pursuing this in your life. Number two, come to our pursuit nights. It's the first Sunday evening of every month. It's the right place to come if you want to receive the baptism of the Spirit. The next is this groups are about to launch. We've got a, a a spiritual development course, which is the right place to go if you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. We've got a Holy Spirit class, which is the right place to go if you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit for your life. Is that all right? Yeah. Would you stand with me across the room? Jesus, fill us. God, let us be people filled with the power of your spirit, that we can hear your voice. We wouldn't leave the same, that we would be people that march in tune with what you're calling us to do. We would not be just sludge at the bottom of the cup, but we would activate the fullness of your gift in our life. Experience all that you have for us. God, let us be a church filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let this valley reign with the pouring out of the Spirit. God, that you have your way in this place. Have your way in our lives, Jesus. I can imagine that in a room this size, there are people that when I said, sometimes the problem is true repentance, truly turning from what is separating you from God. I'm sure there were people that recognized that's me. I love him, but I have things I have to finish. I've got to walk away from them. It means turning away from the things we think, do, and say that don't please God. And if that's you in this house and you recognize that's your next step to say, I need to repent of something in my life, if that's you, would you just put a bold hand up? You're in a room full of people that support it. Come on, I see some bold hands, some fast hands. Yeah. God, there are some things I need, I need to get rid of in my life. There's some things I need to walk away from. There's some things that don't need to have control over me anymore. Because I want all of your spirit developed in my life, I, I want everything you have for me. So if that was you and you just raised your hand with me, here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent and believe. Remember, that's what Peter says. Repent and be baptized and you'll receive the gift of the Spirit. We're going to repent. Here's what it looks like. We're going to turn away from those things right now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to join me in a prayer. Make it yours. God, I'm I'm sorry for the things in my life that aren't pleasing you. God, you know what they are, and I know what they are. I don't want that anymore. Would you make me clean? Would you forgive me? I'm walking away from it right now, I don't want it anymore. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. That he was buried, three days later he rose all the power in his hands so right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope not in my ability to overcome this but I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone say these words with me Jesus be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live come on church family that's so good that's so good. So good. Listen, as the band, as the band goes into this song, I'm gonna invite the prayer team down. And if if you came today and you you're like, this is good, but what I really need is I need someone to pray with me. I've got a need in my life. I need someone to pray with me. Or maybe it's not a need, I just recognize I need prayer. That's you. During this next song, I just want you to come down to the prayer team and they'll they'll pray with you. We'll see what God can do. Is that all right? Let's
0: worship the Lord. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.